0: There you go. I'm John Cain, and this is Resistance Radio. I want to be, do a big shout-out to uh, those of you listening in Washington, D.C., and those who are catching the show as a podcast, as I put it up after the fact. Got a few things I want to talk about today, but I, I have to start off by, by flat-out saying we are in fun drive mode, so we are trying to sign people up as members of the station. We are trying to get pledges, and we need to do so because we are listener supported radio. So I need some of you folks to go to the pledge line. And that is 202-588-9739. That's 202-588-9739. Or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. Look, you can't take this station for granted. I, I realize that Pacifica stations have been airing for you know over 50 years, and WPFW in particular has been broadcasting as a part of the Pacifica network for, for decades. But it doesn't mean we're always going to be here. And you ensure that we are here by supporting this fine radio station, a station that, look, I can't express how much gratitude I have for being allowed to have airtime, but that airtime is also contingent on you. Look, these stations need to to raise money. They need to support their operation. And frankly, if if my show is among the shows that are not deemed worthy of the airtime and, and not solely based on my ability to fundraise for the station, but but you know, out of response from listenership, then then you know, my my job is tenuous here as well. Look, I come to you from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. That's where I am set up to do this this uh, show. I don't always want to do the show from uh, from here. I, I'd love to make the trip down to Washington, possibly manage to do a couple of uh, events while I'm while I'm down there. And you know, and 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 that too, I look to you for. I you know, I'm, I'm hoping that if if there is an event in D.C. that uh, uh, that. That could use a, a a native speaker, especially a native speaker like me. I hope I hope people reach out. Look, I am on Facebook. I'm easy to uh, to access, and I, I'd love to make the trip down. You know, look, I've been doing this this program on WBAI in New York City for well over a decade. Been on for longer than that, beyond this this program, and I've used my what were my trips to New York on a weekly basis uh, as an opportunity to do events in in New York City? Some of them were film screenings. Some of them were bringing in live live guests, whether they're speakers or or performers. Um, and I've I've hosted uh, environmental issues where I brought environmental activists from around the city. I'd love to do the same thing in, in Washington D.C. I'm not saying we're going to do it every month, or you know, or uh, certainly not every week, but I'd love a reason to come to D.C. to do this show beyond sitting in the WPFW studios, which I haven't done in a very, very long time. Um, but, uh, again, I'd, I'd like to be more engaged in the community. And, you know, and one of the ways that you can be engaged with this program is supporting the program on WPFW. So, again, I ask you, what are the pledge lines? It's 202 588 9739 or go online to WPFWDC.org slash donate. And look, you can donate in, in any number of ways. You can do a one-time donation. Um, you can do a timed donation, uh, you know, set up a donation that'll come out at a specific time, or you become a weekly contributor, or I'm sorry, a monthly contributor by be- becoming a, sus- a sustaining member of the station. And, you know, that's when you, you provide a credit card or you're checking account information, and you just set it, so it's it's ten dollars a month, maybe it's fifteen dollars a month, uh, and you can almost treat it like like one of your streaming subscrip- subscriptions. Uh, although we don't set the price, you do. You set what you can what you can afford to to pay to support this station. Something that that if you're listening to this program that you've you've come to to count on. If you listen to the station, you've come to count on. So. To become a part of Jazz and Justice Radio, you simply just sign up, sign up, and become a member of the uh, of the station. So I want to do I, I, one of the things I got to talk about, and you know I've I've been really engaged in the mascot debate, especially in New York. I was one of the principal figures in uh, in pushing for a statewide ban and 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 achieving that. The the New York State Education Department's Board of Regents voted unanimously to institute a statewide ban and it's been interesting you know because as as some of these school districts wrestle with the idea of being told specifically that they have to stop using native people for mascots which seems almost bizarre that we that this has to be mandated it just seems like anybody should realize using a people a living breathing people as a mascot for your amusement and entertainment you, you would think that would people would know better i mean it I, I always oftentimes I liken this to the idea of, of blackface. And and frankly, it, it it's more comparable than you might think. Now look, there aren't as many people wearing red face in these high schools or or donning, you know, costumes and that kind of stuff. It still happens and it certainly does happen at the professional level. We we see everything from tomahawk chops to you know um, to you know beating on, you know, a big uh, a big powwow drum. Uh, we see all of that happening um, in you know in at, at professional sporting events so we know that it's a deal we know that it is um, it is a behavior um, and we we would never accept it if it, if it were happening to any other any other people you know i've I've raised the issue I because when people say well we do it to honor you we we're doing it to honor native people that's you, you know, that's not quite true. And, and, and I always, I oftentimes ask, well, if you were going to honor somebody else, how would you do it? How would you honor black people with with a school mascot? I mean, what would you call that team? And what would your logo be? And, and how would you respond, especially if you were a predominantly white school, which most of these schools are, you know, that I'm talking about that, that have these native mascots. Most of them are, are, if not almost completely white, they're predominantly white. I mean, how would that be for a whole bunch of white kids to run around uh, claiming a black identity just by virtue of their, uh, of their mascot? I mean, it, it would be an, an absurd proposition, but it's never considered as absurd when it's done to Native people. You know, and here's the thing. You know, I did a show years ago where I talked about good Indians, you know, because there's that famous line uh, by Philip Sheridan who said the only good Indian is a dead Indian. Ironically, Philip Sheridan's statue sits at the Capitol in Albany, New York. I mean, it's prominently displayed, you know, this this big brass statue of, uh, of Philip Sheridan. And, you know, the, the funny thing is the, the guy that they call um, Colonel or Henry Pratt, who was one of the uh, pioneers in developing the the Indian boarding schools or the uh, or residential schools. He actually quoted um, uh, or mentioned th- this Philip Sheridan. He, and he said, you know, Philip Sheridan, this, gr- this great <laughs> uh, military you know, general uh, once said the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And he said, I agree with that. And that's why, you know, he's been a part of this kill the Indian, save the man uh, strategy that these that these schools employed. He believed that you did have to kill the Indian even but he also believed you could kill it within a human being within the native person so that was the strategy kill the Indian save the man and make no mistake about it they killed us I mean every day we see another story mostly coming out of Canada not so much out of the US yet uh, about these unmarked or mass um, graves where you know where our people have said, Children were buried all along, but now with ground-penetrating radar and and all of these other tools, we're proving it. Uh, and it, and it's like thousands of kids on the Canadian side, and you know, and, and it'll probably reach over over ten thousand, possibly twenty thousand kids on the Canadian side, and it'll be three, four, five times that on the U.S. side when the if the U.S. ever gets held accountable for for its uh, residential schools, which they invented, by the way, they they actually developed this whole idea of residential schools and, um, and these assimilation factories. And essentially they were, they were like prisons and, you know, then there's no, there's no way of getting around that. But I want to get back to my original thoughts on this are really not, are really geared towards the, the white folks who insist on claiming that that the, the whole mascot thing was intended to honor us. And this is where we have we, we run into trouble because when we say, look, we're not honored by it. And, and in fact, it isn't even just the names like Redskins or Savages or Raiders or some of the more derogatory names that are used uh, for us uh, when, when used in, in, as mascots. It's the idea of being used for mascots that is a problem. That is what disturbs us. Because, again, while our kids were getting ripped away to sent, sent to these assimilation factories, where our identities were denied, little white kids could, you know, could, could play Indian as a part of their school culture. That's what's offensive. Yes, there are some images and there are some names that are more offensive than others. But when I hear somebody says, well, what's offensive about being called a brave or a chief or a warrior? There's those words in of themselves, and they're not our words. I'm, let me get that clear that up. Those aren't our words. Those are your words, but they're words that you've applied to us. And so when you claim those identities and then run around calling yourselves braves, sometimes not just as students, but as alumnus, as, as, as people who graduated 20, 30, 40 years ago, still pining away about, the, about this mascot issue. But when we, we get engaged with those communities over removing these mascots, then the truth comes out. Yeah, they're not really honoring us that much. In fact, the amount of hate and vitriol and venom that gets spewed at us. I mean, look, I've been called all kinds of, I, somebody even suggested they wanted to scalp me, which is, you know, which is not just a joke. I mean, scalping involved killing people. I mean, and killing us for bounties. Trust me, there's some of these people in some of these little towns that would have loved to, you know, claim that they've taken me out of the picture. And I'm, you know, I'm not to, uh, saying that I'm the, the central figure, but you know what, on this mascot battle uh, in New York State, I brought the fight against my old high school that ultimately went before the New York State Department of Education and, uh, and, and has led to this, ultimately to this ban. And I do sit on the New York State Education Department's uh, Indigenous Mascot Advisory Council. And I'm probably one of the more hardliners on that. And I don't, you know, and I don't say that to, to boast. It's just a really a matter of fact. And I, have you know, I've attended every meeting. I was even in the hospital one time and, and phoned into to this advisory council meeting. So I, I haven't missed a beat on this thing. And there are people pissed over it. And and I mean, not just angry or not just unhappy and not just hurt, but I mean pissed and and look, there there are those of us who have been threatened, and not just by you know some you know Facebook chump you know, claiming that they, he wanted to scalp me. But look, we have had physical confrontations. I I, I was you know involved in, in a school out in Western New York that was um, uh, deciding whether to get rid of the word, the name Redskins, and you know among the Native people that were there was a, was a pregnant woman, and she got literally knocked aside. By this, you know, by this rather large white woman um, because she was angry, uh, angry with what we were doing, that, that that we were, we had the gall to try to take the native identity that they took from us and that we, that we're taking it back or that we're saying, no, it's not yours. I mean, look, we're not trying to claim to be Redskins or Braves, you know, or any of the other names that, you know, that they've, I mean, look. Do we use some, some of those names? Sure. But they are, they, the identity is being native and that's the identity that is being stolen regardless of what, what name is being used out there. But the, the hostility that we, that we experience from these very same people who claim that they had those, those mascots to honor us in the first place is really kind of bizarre. It's really kind of bizarre. And you know, and, I, and I think it's important to have this conversation because this is where... Look, I've, I've often cited folks like L. Frank Baum who, who really called for our extermination. And the reason he called for our extermination, he, he basically took the attitude that the good Indians were all dead now. Not that the only good Indians is a dead Indian, but all, the only good Indians died or were killed. Sitting Bull, he, he praised Sitting Bull. But he said, now all that's left with, with Sitting Bull gone now all that's left is a pack of whining cur that licks the hand that smites them. He called for our extermination. And he said so within the context that if we were exterminated, then we could live on in their memories. And people will speak in later ages of the grand kings of the forest and the plain. That's literally what, it, what he said in an editorial, essentially right around the time of the, uh, the massacre at Wounded Knee. He submitted one before the massacre and then one after the massacre, still calling for our extermination. But but he did so in this kind of black, backhanded compliment thing, kind of like these folks who say, oh, yeah, we, we call ourselves braves to honor you. And then do nothing but hate on us when we say, no, no, you're not honoring us. You taking our identity and claiming it is not, is not an honor. To, to us, is like blackface. And it, it just pisses people off. So- I do have to, again, remind people that we are in a fund drive. We are in a pledge drive. So we're asking you to call the pledge line. And, and, and look, I am probably not one of the greatest fundraisers for, uh, for the stations that I'm on. Um, and, I, and, you know, and I don't know what the magic is. I know part of the magic is making sure to mention that when we're, on a <laughs> we're operating in a, in a pledge drive which is what we're doing here. So I'm asking you once again to go to the pledge line and make whatever commitment you can. And look, if you're already doing um, a monthly contribution for, for 10 or 15 bucks, maybe you can throw five more dollars on it. But if you do so, especially during the, my program or in the name of my program, then you also send a message to management. You send a message to the station that, that this is one of the programs that you appreciate. And, and I'm not saying you got to agree with everything that I said or, or that I do say. I know that that I'm offering a perspective that not everybody can necessarily fully appreciate. And the whole point is to let you know that this perspective exists. And you know, look, I've tried like heck to to educate people even on this mascot issue. Why you know why we oppose being used for mascots. I mean it, it seems like it should be you know easy to understand, but apparently it's not. You know so I think there is an ignorance. I think there's plenty of willful ignorance, but I also think there's there's this assumption that that native people can be used in a way that no other people are allowed to be used and 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 that's why we that's why I do this show so again, I ask that you go to the pledge line two one two zero two that's two zero two five eight eight nine seven three nine and make a contribution of whatever size or whatever frequency you can look if it's a one-time donation if it's uh you know perhaps you had a bit of a windfall here um and and you have the ability to do this. and look i realize that the the um spectrum of of people who listen to this program could include anybody who is you know who perhaps is native living in the in the dc area or or again catching us as a podcast anywhere so perhaps you're native and you're hearing this and you would like to contribute to the station to make sure that the station this this show stays on and maybe you don't have all the resources in the world or perhaps you're you're in you know one of the other you know communities where where you can identify the struggles that we go through but you know what perhaps you you work in government perhaps you're a lawyer or a lobbyist and and maybe you've made money off of the native struggles so to you guys i say hey pony up I mean, make a contribution, a meaningful contribution. If you can afford to make a hundred or two hundred or a thousand dollar contribution to the station, and and if you do so because you know some of the information that I'm talking about here might be relevant to your job, then it's yeah, you know, I say it's almost incumbent on you to do so. And and look, I look, I realize a lot of people listen to radio for entertainment. And I may not be the most entertaining, but I do try to be educational. So that's what we do here, and we hope that those who listen to the program and listen to the station are willing to support the program and we are willing to support the station. So, again, 202-588-9739. That's the number to call to make a pledge, make a commitment. Um, or you can go online and do it at your at your leisure and, and you know, and your own discretion. You don't, have to, you don't have to speak to anybody. You can go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. Um, and, that, and that's all you need to do. Um, and once you go online, you can, you, the, the prompts are pretty easy. Um, you can, you can make a donation again of any size of any frequency you can do it. You, could, you, you can sign up to have it a, a monthly donation, or you can do it as often as as you can. I mean, perhaps you don't want to make a monthly commitment, but then you find out next month, Hey, you know, I could do another donation. And maybe the month after that, you say, Oh, I could do another donation. Well, that's, that's what we're, we're hoping we can get out of enough of you. Look, and I realize most people who listen to these, to these stations, to, to this station, to this program are not necessarily going to be contributors. Most, we only need a certain percentage of you to, to, to donate. And it would be great if all of you did. And, you know, and I know everybody can contribute something. And, and I'll say this, even if that contribution isn't in the form of a donation, maybe that contribution is just spreading the word about the station, spreading the word about the program. And again, any of you who know of, uh, of, uh, of any upcoming events or opportunities that, um, that might, you know, might, be be- might benefit from a speaker like myself, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear about it. You know, I'd like to organize perhaps an event down in the D.C. area, but I know there's plenty of events that happen anyway. So if you're aware of anything, by all means, um, share that information with me. And I'd love to come down, do one of my shows live in studio. Um, and then you know parlay that with uh, with being participating at an event in DC haven't been down there since since before covid um, so um, it, it would be a great opportunity so I do look forward to uh, to visiting uh, DC and 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 having some face-to-face with some of the people who may perhaps listen listen to this program on a weekly basis all right I again, the mascot issue is not the only issue that that i have engaged um i have been involved in environmental issues uh for those of you who listen to the program uh, for a longer period of time know that i've i've taken on the state government over everything from taxation to um to to squeezing gaming revenue out of uh out of native uh, territories here in new york um i have been somewhat critical of the fact that there currently sits a native woman um, at the Department of Interior. And I'm critical because sometimes I feel like putting a native person into one of these places is, um, that's the gesture. But it doesn't necessarily result in any tangible uh, changes. In, in the battle that the Seneca Nation was going through with, with New York State, and, and continues to go through, frankly, um, over gaming revenue, Deb Haaland never once sat down with the Seneca Nation um, to to hear the case. Now we understand that she has suggested that there needs to be a rule change in the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, but but again, if if you haven't taken the time to actually meet with the Seneca Nation, and and look, I know she's she's she looks good on magazine covers, and she you know she says some of the right things, um, but at the end of the day. The meaningful changes, the things that impact Native lives on Native territories, are oftentimes not being addressed. You know, you know, I talk a lot about the residential schools. I even tie it to the mascot issue. But we haven't seen any meaningful um, launch in which it would involve funding to investigate the United States' role in uh, in residential schools, including looking for and finding you know, um, these mass burial sites, these unmarked graves, and, and, and fully accounting for the harm that was done to Native children through these schools. And, and let's be clear, assimilation, even if it's just assimilation all by itself, is still a form of genocide. Genocide is defined as creating the conditions that would make a people cease to exist and if you strip away our identities, destroy our languages, separate children from from mothers and fathers and communities and their nations, and and many times doing so so that they will never have a place to return to because during this period of of uh of these residential schools was the largest period of land loss that we ever experienced as well. But if you do something that strips away our identity, to the point that we no longer exist as those people, that is genocide. Now, genocide also includes killing us, which happened at these schools. It also includes um, sterilization, which happened at these so-called schools. It also involves taking children away from our our people, never to return, because, the, you know, the, this was also the precursor to to these these adoption systems that would take Native children out of Native homes and then place them with with white families to uh, to be raised. So, if you had the benefit of getting out of one of these residential schools, oftentimes it didn't mean that you went home. It didn't mean that you went back to your your people. It meant it meant that they found some some nice white family to to raise you. And so we get left today in a situation where we have native people struggling to reclaim their identity and you know and, and look <laughs> i bring this up because <laughs> the mascot issue is is at best a misappropriation and you know and a uh, uh an identity theft at worst it it teaches generations of 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 kids who will become adults and who will become decision makers in the United States, that we are merely relics of the past, that we are those images on a football helmet or on a, uh, you know, on a school gymnasium floor, that we aren't a contemporary living, breathing people. So we, we get caught into this in this situation where this genocide that I speak of didn't really end. I mean, we still, are, we still go through this incredible conversation every time we try to say that, that, that we are native, that we are ungweungwe, which is our word, that we are not Americans. I mean, to, to say you're not an American, I'm all, look at all these immigrants that want to come to America. And who the hell are these native people to, to reject or repudiate U.S. citizenship? Well, it's because we have our own identity. And, and, and in spite of those who are struggling to reclaim that identity or that, and I don't mean just reclaim it from somebody who's holding it, but reclaiming it from, from having been obliterated by governmental policies. This is the challenge that we have today. And that's why doing the program and having a, an opportunity to talk about the, the, the real life struggles we go through today. I mean, look, we lead every category that nobody wants to lead. Suicide rates, death by cop, uh, high school, you know, uh, uh, um, dropping out of high school, teen pregnancy, depression, poverty, unemployment. We lead every category that nobody wants to lead. And all of these things were created. We were a living, thriving people before, uh, before European contact, before colonization. And... And we have had the ability to to exist peacefully. And I don't mean just coexistence because of assimilation. I mean, having respect for for who we are. I mean, it, it can happen. But if the assumption always is that these stereotypes apply, not just the stereotypes associated with mascots. I mean, the stereotypes that, oh, yeah, we're lazy. We live off of government handouts, that our territories are lawless, that we... Or the other flip side is that we're, that we're all casino moguls and we're all living large off of, you know, off of a vice, off of gambling. None of that stuff is true. And yet that's, you know, oh, that we, we don't pay any taxes and um, we get to go to school for free. That, none of that's true either. I mean, some of that might be true for some places, but that's not a widespread uh, benefit that native people have. We have been screwed by the federal government to the tune of billions of dollars. That actually, there was a suit called the Cobel suit. Uh, Eloise Cobel brought this this class action suit, and by some estimates, it was between hundred and forty billion dollars that Native people were, were screwed out of out of their money and their resources and their uh, yeah, and and the settlement and uh, during the Obama administration ended up being four billion, much of which went to buying back land. So it went back to white people who had illegally obtained our land. I mean, it, it, it's it's an insane insult to have that settlement settled for pennies on the dollar. But that's the level of criminality that has been associated with the United States government in terms of stealing land, stealing resources, and, um, and forced assimilation. And again, this is the reason for doing this show. This is the reason for coming to you on a weekly basis and discussing issues that won't be in the news. I mean, look, even the mascot issue, I mean, I played a significant role in getting the New York State ban on, on Native mascots. That barely made a peep in the in the media. I mean, look, it, it was covered, more so in New York. And most of what was covered in New York was really tied to these these white communities griping about losing their mascots it was never heralded as a you know as a win for native people because look even though the new york state board of regents voted unanimously for this ban they did it because we were pushing them but we don't get the media coverage so look i have the extreme you know opportunity to be on your airwaves in Washington, DC, and of course a, as a podcast when I, when I post it up afterwards. I, I have this great opportunity to come into your living room or, or on your radio in your car or, or wherever to discuss these things in a way that you will never hear from anybody else. But in order for us to continue to do this, we need your support. We are listener supported radio. Jazz and Justice Radio counts on you, the listener to support the this station and i'm counting on you to convince the station to keep me on the air. So again, i need you to go to the pledge lines. It's 202-588-9739. That's the number to call to make a contribution to WPFW, to your Jazz and Justice radio station. And you know, and, and i think it's great that it's it's called that, that, that that that's the name or the slogan for the station Jazz and Justice because you know the connection between jazz and and some of the the music that came out of the the collaboration of Native people and Black people to create a a truly American uh, and I hate to use that word really but a, but a truly you know a, a a genre of music that is born out of this land because of indigeneity so it's jazz and it's justice because you know j- you know jazz and blues are, are tied to you know the fight for justice so. If you want to become a part of Jazz and Justice Radio, I ask you to go to the pledge line, 202-588-9739, or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate, and just follow the prompts. Um, look, we, we are totally dependent on your contributions. We, we don't have corporate sponsorships. We don't, we don't get uh, uh, you know tons of money from the government or anything else. What we get is we get contributions from um, from you, the listener. And look, every once in a while, we'll get a, a, a large contribution from from a listener, or, or perhaps they'll they'll leave us in their in their will, last will and testament, or something like that. But for the most part, it's that five or ten dollars a month. It's the, it's the you know, it's the fifty dollar donation or the hundred dollar donation during a pledge drive that sustains us. It you know so. While it'd be great to get those thousand dollar contributions, we know that it's that's it's those of you listening who can who can swing you know ten dollars a month, who can swing a hundred dollars uh, during a pledge drive. So that's what we're that's what we're asking of you. So um, again, I, this this good Indian um, topic that you know that I wanted to do during this show has has become so apparent um, when we, when I was taking on this, this mascot battle, because look, while we, we couldn't have done this without allies, we couldn't have gotten, you know, not just New York, but there, there's like eight other States that have, that have created these, these bands. And I think there's another, you know, probably another half dozen or dozen that are contemplating it. I mean, even New York state was contemplating it in their legislature. But that's not the way we got this thing done. We got this done through the, through the education department. We got this done through a rather apolitical um, agency of New York, one that could prioritize education over politics. And, and it didn't matter who was sitting in, in, in those positions on this agency. It didn't matter whether it was a Republican or, or Democrat. It was about right or wrong. But we were able to accomplish this because of allyship. And look, when I pushed this issue in my old high school, were it not for, you know, maybe a a half dozen or or I would say probably a dozen other families who heard what I had to say and supported it, five of whom brought a case to the uh, education department and brought a case through through a what they call a 310 petition. Um to charge that the Board of Education in that school had violated the um, uh, their authority, their discretionary authority, had acted arbitrarily and capriciously. And that's how it went from being a fight at a school where a school board had voted to get rid, rid of the mascot and then immediately brought it back once they were able to seat a few other members on that school board. And then we took that to the Department of Education. And then from there, it went into court because the school decided that they, they needed to sue the the commissioner of education. And now with lawsuit uh, with this with said winning it, uh, their their case and uh, and and having laws in place today that didn't exist say twenty years ago, they they finally took the the the, the big step and and said you know look we're not we're not just going to force one school cambridge central school to, to drop its mascot we're going to tell all of them to do it and but we couldn't have done it look we couldn't have done it without the department of education frankly and the people the good people there i mean dr betty rosa a uh, person of color herself who could hear this message and would take on a school like cambridge uh this board of regents that that voted unanimously and of course the people in every one of these communities and look I don't want to say every school fought us. I mean, there were some superintendents, there were some boards of education that said, man, I'm glad they did this. I didn't want to have to take this battle on in this community. Why? Because it turns into hate mongering. It turns into people, you know, just fighting people within their own community. It's not just about them hating native people for taking their mascot away. They start to hate on each other because if if you are a responsible human being, you say, yeah, that's not really appropriate that, that, that we use Native people for mascots. Man, you're going to face some vitriol in your own community. You're going to find family members who start hating on you. And the division that takes place in every one of these communities that confronts this thing is really incredible. It's really the reason why I had to come around on this idea of a, of a statewide ban. I wasn't that crazy about it at first. I just think I just thought it was wrong to have to have a mandate. Why can't we just appeal to people's judgment and their conscience? Well, I'll tell you why, because some people don't have one. <laughs> and some people have no shame. And they look at their own lives being more important than everybody else. And look, maybe we all do that to some extent. But I mean, whether you can call yourself an Indian by virtue of a mascot or a brave or a savage or a warrior is not life changing. But it does have a negative impact and it has a negative impact both on native people and non-native people because every one of those people who grew up thinking that that was okay, that you could stereotype a people and you could characterize us as these images of the past. I mean, it's like, over 20% of the U.S. population doesn't even know Native people still exist. They, they think that we just all died, that all Native people died off. I mean, and, and, and that, of course, gets associated with everything from, you know, removal from our lands to to massacres to the intentional spread of disease to the starvation and including the, the, uh, what, what children experienced in, in residential schools. They think that we all died off or that we all became so assimilated that we no longer have any Native distinction. Over 20% of the U.S. population believes that. So when I hear people say, well, if you take away um, the mascots, then nobody's going to even know Native people exist anymore. Native mascots are part of uh, disappearing us because it, it, it promotes this idea that we are only these images from the 18th century. And look, if you have to get rid of your mascot, if you did have a, a, a program in your history class that teaches about it, you don't have to get rid of that. Nobody said you don't have to teach about Native people or, you, or you're forbidden to teach about Native people. Quite the contrary. What we're saying is you're for, forbidden for misrepresenting what Native people are and who we are and that we are. That's the problem. Whenever people say, well, I think there's more important uh, things in education than the mascot issue. I agree. So stop making the mascot issue part of your educational process. Stop doing it. Stop making Native people being used as mascots. It's really that simple. But what, I, what I've experienced in this debate, and, and I've been involved in schools all over the country on this thing. You know, and I and again, I finally took it to my own my my old high school, and took it beyond my old high school to help push for the statewide ban. So I I've I've gotten, you know, look I've had people confront me from all over the not just New York State, all over the country. But I've also found there are good people in every one of these communities, who realize what we're saying is true. You know, and 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 again, I mentioned this earlier, but. It isn't that the names are offensive, necessarily. Some of them are. It isn't that the cartoonish logos are offensive. Yes, some of them are. It's the idea that we are being used for non-native people, for for their amusement and entertainment as mascots, as their school mascots, And, and that people obsess over it. I mean, this isn't about high school kids being deprived of something. This is about alumni who later on in life have become so obsessed over the names that they that they use as mascots that they just can't let it go. And look, there are some things that that are used like Tomahawks and, you know, arrowheads and spears. I mean, there's a school in central New York that uses a wampum belt within, you know, um, uh, over the letters representing their school, and it's not even an accurate wampum belt. I listen to people say, well, look, we 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 respectfully use the the friendship uh, treaty, the friendship belt as our as our logo." Yeah, you really don't. It's not the friendship belt. the The actual wampum belt that they that they use cuts the center section out of what was the George Washington belt, which was never really associated with a treaty. This is what George Washington wanted. And what he wanted was this belt that had 13 large male figures and in the center, these two little wee guys standing next to a longhouse. And what it symbolized was that we were lesser than them, that they were our big protectors and that they were going to um, uh, rule over us. That's what the George Washington belt symbolizes. You know, some people try to associate it with the Canada Treaty, but it's not. There's nothing in the Canada Eagle Treaty that talks about becoming protectorate nations of, by the, of the United States. No, there's nothing in there that says that at all. And what this school did was they cut, they cut us out of that wampum belt. So what they have is they have those 13 male figures uh, holding hands um, um, as a part. And that's not even, that doesn't exist as a wampum belt by itself. So they even altered that. They took us out of, They took us out of the belt. A belt that I'm not a fan of, uh, anyway, but uh, but that's that that's what was done. I mean, so the level of I don't know, presumptuousness, the 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 level of white privilege that has been used to turn us into their mascots, to use us for their mascots is is pretty remarkable. And of course, when you take away, any elements of that white privilege man you, you you meet up with resistance and this is where i say you look white supremacy took our lands and murdered our people white privilege took our identities while uh, you know for their amusement and entertainment and white fragility is what we see now i mean the anger that that we we see lashed out at, at us over this is really um, I mean, it's it's sad. It's sad because it's it it shows this the sense of vulnerability that white people have that somehow anything could be taken taken from them. I mean, and look, every time th- this debate happens about a school losing its mascot, they say, "Oh, now we got to change the name of our town and our streets and uh, the name of our state uh, or the name of the river or the mountain or the landmark." It, they they automatically deflect this and say, "Well, this is a slippery slope. Pretty soon, we're going to have to lose everything. Now, what are we going to have to give the land back to the uh, li- land back to those heathens?" <laughs> I mean, these are literally the conversations that take place, and it's all over social media. So it's not like you can't find this stuff. I mean, and and look, we've made it real clear in the mascot debate. We're not saying you got to change the name of your town or even the name of your school. We're just saying your nickname that what you're calling what the students are calling themselves because that's the identity theft that's what is so particularly offensive about this look if you're if the name of your town is derived from a native word or the county or or whatever that's that's not the identity theft we're talking about and while I'm not crazy about you know the, the usually the 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 names get bastardized in such a way that they no longer resemble the native word that they once <laughs> that they're derived from. But uh, that's kind of beside the point. But that's not what we're trying. We're not trying to tra- change landmarks or town names or, or anything else. We're trying to stop people from claiming to be Indians, Braves, Warriors, Savages, whatever, for their entertainment and uh, you know, an amusement. That's what we're trying to stop. That's what's offensive so and this appeal that that we'd make to the public and and I'm, and I'm so glad to make that this appeal to you know to the listening audience in washington d c the appeal that we the appeal that we make to the public is just for some level of understanding. look, I get it maybe it, you know it does hurt a little bit to lose your native mascot you know i I, I can't imagine anybody responding this way if they had to go, you know stop being bears and had to be cougars later but i you know i see it so i know there are people who are angry about it and and this and that they get these emotions stirred up i can't say i understand it but i i acknowledge it but you know what, you get over it and you move move beyond I mean, it's funny because that's what Native people are told all the time. Oh, you guys are always dwelling on that negative history. Why don't you get over it? It happened a long time ago. We can't be held responsible for what, uh, what people did 100 years ago. No, but you can be resp- held responsible for what you're doing now. And some of the racist comments that we receive over this debate is pretty remarkable. I, one, so, one person said, why would we want to have Native mascots anyway? Look at the their reservations. They're just lawless territories: rape, murder, and theft. That's what the, and the crazy part is, yeah, we did experience rape, murder and theft at the hands of white people. But literally somebody finally got to the point where they said, well I, would, I wouldn't want to be used Native people for a mascot anyway. I mean, it, it sounds a little sour grapeish, but uh, but this is where it really comes down to. We've had people say, "Look, we're not using you for mascots." we're using the native people from before we don't even like you but we like the idea of us being braves or us being savages or warriors so i mean I literally had somebody say it's got nothing to do with you we're not honoring you we're honoring the people that came before you <laughs> really so that's what we experienced so and i know this is you know this is almost tough to hear, but I'm glad to have the opportunity to be heard. It's part of the reason that we had had this ban, statewide ban in, uh, happen in uh, in New York state. And maybe being heard in Washington and some of the areas around there. I'm look, Pennsylvania still still a state that is rife with these mascots. There are other places, you know, and, and look, we, we've we fought this. I've gone to Delaware. I've gone to Connecticut. I've gone to you know other places to, to to speak with school boards. So maybe somebody hears this and they and they learn something or maybe they hear this and they say, "Look, I'd like to get that guy to come to my school." And I'll do that. I will, whether it's through Zoom or or whether you know maybe this is one of the events that I do. I'm glad to have the opportunity to be on on this station to do this. I'm I'm glad to have this opportunity to to speak and to be heard. But without your contributions to WPFW, it it may not happen. It can't happen, actually. So I ask you to go to the pledge line, 202-588-9739. I know I've repeated the number a bunch of times, and I'll repeat it a couple more times, but 202-588-9739. We are in a pledge drive, so that's why I'm doing the the pounding on this, uh, because we need you. And we, and look, I may I mention this with every program that we're that are listening to sportive radio. But on this program, during a pledge drive, I'm gonna mention it more often. So again, 202 588 9739 That's the number to call to make a contribution to WPFW, Jazz and Justice Radio. Or you can go online to WPFWDC org slash donate. Follow the prompts. As I said, a one-time donation, a timed donation. Um, you know, maybe you got money coming in at the end of the month and, and you can, you know, schedule uh, a time to make a payment. Or you do something once you once a month. Use your credit card or your checking account information and just have an automatic withdrawal from your uh, card or your account for $10 a month. Nothing, nothing that's going to, you know, leave anybody terribly strapped. In fact, most people, if they lose $10 a month, they don't even notice it. <laughs> and, 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 of course, if you've got, you know, eight or ten uh, streaming services, um, maybe that's a lot, but what's one more? Especially one that you don't necessarily have to stream. You don't have to go online. You you can just turn on the radio and listen to. So that's what we ask. We ask that you make a contribution to this radio station, to WPFW Jazz and Justice Radio by going to 202 588 9739 or go online to wpfwdc.org/slash donate. And look. I'm not just suggesting I'd like to come to DC to, you know, to encourage people to donate to this to this program, to the station. It is really something that I'd like to do. And, um, so I'm, I'm actually one of the call, you know, calls to action, I guess I'm uh, suggesting here is that if, if there's an event that, that you think it would be appropriate for me to attend and, and maybe, you know, get a, a shot at a podium, um, let me know. You can reach me on, on Facebook, um, uh, I've got a group page called Resistance Radio. Oftentimes, I stream these uh, videos of these shows on that on that page. Um, I also have another program, which is uh, a podcast only, which is Let's Talk Native, and I encourage people to check that out as well. That also has its own group page on Facebook, so you can reach me. You know, you can reach me on my personal profile, John Kane, or you can reach me on Resistance Radio with John with John Kane or uh, Let's Talk Native with John Kane. I also encourage people to go uh, to YouTube. I've got a, great, a bunch of great videos, some associated with the mascot issue and other issues that you can uh, you can check out. So you can go to Let's Talk Native TV, which is my YouTube channel, and check that out as well. But my podcasts, both Let's Talk Native podcast and Resistance Radio podcast, are available on all the, the popular podcast platforms, so you can find that anywhere. Just uh, search Resistance Radio with John Kane or Let's Talk Native with John Kane And you can find the latest podcast and and see a library of shows from the past. And I've been doing this for a while. So there's a lot of information there. Every once in a while, I'll dust off and I'll listen to an old show. um, Just, you know, just to remind me of an issue that perhaps I haven't talked about in a while. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to cover as a Native person. You know, we get overlooked when people talk about racism. There was a shooting that took place here in Buffalo. It's almost the one year anniversary of that. And even as the stations were doing programs associated with racism, we were never invited to be a part of that conversation. So it's almost like what native people have experienced was, you know, and, and we get told us that it was just this natural clash of cultures and it was destiny manifest destiny, right? That's what it was. It wasn't just racism. I mean, you guys aren't victims of racism. Well, I, I beg to differ. So again, I appreciate those of you who tune in to this radio station and this radio program. And, and I hope that um, I hope that you'll support this radio station. As I go off here, let me once again, give the, uh, the, the pledge line number. It's 202-588-9739 or go online to WPFWDC.org slash donate. That's how you support this program. That's how you support this radio station. I want to thank you for, um, you know, bearing with me, I know it's sometimes pledge drives are a little bit, uh, you know, tougher to sit through. Uh, I did try to have a conversation that weaves in and out of those calls for your donations, but, um, uh, uh, we'll be doing this for, you know, for several weeks. So, um, you know, enjoy what you can enjoy, but you know what? You can also feel good about supporting this radio station. I am John Kane, and this is resistance radio.